0: Welcome to Partnering Leadership, conversations with leading influencers in the greater Washington, D.C. region and global thought leaders, helping you align better with your purpose, grow professionally with meaning, and have a greater impact. For additional leadership insights and bonus content, visit us at PartneringLeadership.com. Now here's your host, Mahan Tavakoli. Welcome to Partnering Leadership. I'm really excited this week to be speaking with Howard Stone who is affectionately known to people in Greater Washington, D.C. area as Mr. Prince George's County because of the numerous roles he has held in the county, including serving as Chief Administrative Officer under County Executive Wayne Curry and also being a big advocate of the county. Howard is also a big advocate for education and currently serves as Chair of the Board of Trustees for Prince George's Community College. Now, thank you all so very much for the positive comments you're sharing about the podcast and your support. All I'm trying to do is shine a bright light on the magnificent journey of so many great leaders, what they have done, their struggles, and how they have been able to become impactful so we can learn from their experiences and we can also become more impactful leaders. So keep your feedback coming, partneringleadership.com. You can send me a message there, or there is an icon for a microphone. You can leave me a voice message. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to the podcast. And if you choose Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to leave a rating and review there. For now, here's my conversation with Howard Stone. Howard Stone, welcome to the Partnering Leadership Podcast.
1: Thank you, Mahan. I'm I'm pleased and humbled to be here.
0: You have been a wonderful example of leadership in this entire region, most especially in Prince George's County, and can't wait to find out a little bit about your leadership journey. Now, you are a native to Washington, D.C., and I'm just curious how your upbringing, Howard, impacted the
1: kind of leader you have become. I'm not only a native, I'm one of those rare breeds. I'm a third-generation Washingtonian, and we're very few, very far and few between, but I learned a lot from my family, especially my parents. And what I really learned, Mahan, was to those who have have been given much, much is required. And I guess that's been a tenet that I've lived by. That has always been the thing that keeps me going in public service and work that I do with nonprofits, because I feel that this is a rent that I have to pay for living in earth. And God has richly blessed me, not necessarily financially, but he's allowed me to experience some wonderful things. I've been in the presence of very powerful people. I have been able to travel throughout the world. And it's been just a fortune. And every morning, I thank God for allowing me to be on this journey.
0: And you have lived up to those expectations of giving a lot to the community. Now, I understand partly because of your family business. Initially, you wanted to grow up and become a mortician.
1: My family had, had a business in Washington, D.C. D. It was uh, John T. Ryan's funeral home. And it was fortunate because when you know kids used to collect little postcards, I'd have postcards of the new models of caskets that were coming out. Not that I wanted to be on the embalming side of the business. I thought that I would be the one that would persuade people to spend elaborate sums of money for a homegoing or a funeral. And when I think back, God did not allow me to go in that business because I could have wrecked some people's finances. I could see myself, you know, I'm on my talker. with and you know, I'd say, you know, your parent or your mama or your daddy would like that twenty or thirty thousand dollar coffin with all the furs." And I would have talked a lot of people into doing some things that they really can't afford to do. So it was fortunate I did not pursue that.
0: You are a wonderful salesperson for all the different causes you've advocated. Now, what took you to Rutgers to study political science?
1: It was interesting, Mahan. That was during the era that through conscience or it wasn't really integration that some of our larger and more established white universities were encouraging Black students to enter. I had laid out that I was going to go to Howard University. I had my, my parties all lined up for the year, and I just knew I was going to Howard. But my mother looked at me, she said, I think you better think again. Howard's good. And, you know, I love Howard University and all my friends that are are Bisons. But they said, I think you might do better. I, I think I applied to two schools, the University of Delaware and Rutgers. And Rutgers having a fantastic reputation. I said, okay, I'll go to Rutgers. But I did it begrudgingly. Because I just knew that I was going to be for here for Howard and Howard Homecoming and all the festivities associated with that. But that didn't come to pass. So that led me to be to go on the, the banks of the Raritan. Uh, that's where Rutgers is located in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And I had four wonderful years, uh, with one exception. My mother passed my senior year, and that that was a defining moment in my life because uh, my mother and I were very, very, very close. When you saw my mother, you saw me, and you saw me, you saw my mother. Like I said, it was a defining moment in my life because while it took me a long time to to deal with that, years later I look back and I reflect and. I think my mother is still watching over me as our loved ones. When they depart this earth, they still watch over and you get angels in heaven. I know that there's some things that I have done and my mother has looked out. She is still looking out for me. And my mother has been dead some 40 years now, but that is what inspired me. And I also had a, an aunt that was a school teacher for 40 years in Prince George's County. And she was a great role model. And that's when the education bug began, Uh, not only for mine, but making sure that that these young people got at least their start and got a good education.
0: I know education has been a big part of something that you've been passionate about. I can tell you, there is obviously an angel up in heaven that is really proud of you and the difference you've made on so many fronts, including education in Prince George's County. So, what got you so engaged in Prince George's County, Howard?
1: Well, it was funny, Mahan. When I was I went to grad school at American University. I went to the School of Public Administration, School of Government, and Public Administration, and I happened to have been a TA when I was in graduate schools, and one night. It was toward the end end of my matriculation at American University. I was up at the campus, and I saw there was a job opportunities bulletin. And I looked at the job opportunities bulletin, and I took the information. I think I took the bulletin off the wall. And it said they had an opening for an administrative assistant one working for the Prince George's County Council. So I said, you know, I think I'm going to apply for this job. I applied for the job. Then I got an interview. I remember going down Pennsylvania Avenue, extended to Upper Marlboro. I walked in and there was a woman, fabulous woman who worked for one of the council members. And, you know, I was sitting there fidgeting. And she said, listen, you're nervous, but you should not be nervous because I think you are better than anybody else I've seen come in there for this interview. So don't be nervous, just be yourself. And my first boss was a guy named Ken Duncan. He was the council administrator and he hired me, took me under his wing, and that began my, my journey and my saga in Prince George's County. I started working for the county in 1976. And then I felt to have a true impact, I had to live where I worked. So I decided to move out of the District of Columbia. I moved in 1977. And tell you the truth, I haven't looked back.
0: You've been very impactful. And in Prince George's County, you ended up getting to know a person by the name of Wayne Curry that eventually became a magnificent county executive for Prince George's County.
1: Wayne, like I said, he befriended me because at that time, there were not that many people in Prince George's County, that looked like either one of us. It was an Im- immediate connection. And Wayne, Wayne was so instrumental so in my life that, you know, I I listened to him. He was my advisor. He was also a critic. And of course, as as people know, Wayne is no longer with us. He died in July six years ago of lung cancer, but he was the one who the person who made me what I am today. And I'll never forget, Mahan, when Wayne first got elected, I was the chief of staff. And I felt it was my job to bring in in candidates so we could fill that CAO's position, the chief administrative officer. So, you know, I would bring uh, about eight candidates in and Wayne would come up with some reason that he did not like the person. So one day we were talking, I said, well, wait, we've got to have a, we've got to appoint a CAO. And he looked me in my eyes and said, there's only one person that can be CAO. I said, well, who in the hell is that? And he said, you. And having grown through the ranks in Prince George's County, because I, you know, worked for the council, then I went to the help to be uh, legislative assistant for Sydney Hoyer. I came back to the county. I was there a cable administrator and I sort of knew the government well and it was true. So he said, no, I you, I want you to be my CAO. And I the thought of running this government, it was terrifying, but it was a challenge because we were coming in, Wayne was the first black county executive. And I said, we got to keep these, these trains running on time and we've got to do the work that we need to do for all the people in Prince George's County. Not just the black people, but the whole realm of, of Prince George's County, which is a diverse county. And so it was my job to make sure the trains ran on time. There were no issues with uh, any, any ethical problems or legal problems. And when Wayne Carey when we came into the county government, we had a tremendous deficit. We had a $135 million deficit. We had to reorganize government. We had to right-size it. We had to pass 26 pieces of legislation. We had to do a lot to deal with that deficit. And, you know, in Wall Street, the analysts were looking at us saying, okay, what are you going to do? Wayne went to Wall Street and he told them his plan that he was going to reorganize government and do everything. And I think they doubted him. But after our first foray to Wall Street, I'll never forget the Washington Magazine, the Sunday Magazine and the Washington Post had a picture of Wayne and the caption was, he's not afraid. So he had the bold energy to lay out a plan and my job was to execute that plan. And I, I can honestly say that Wayne regarded the county's finances as his own personal checkbook, and he was a very stingy person. And uh, when, while we inherited a $135 million deficit, when Wayne left office, we left the county with a $142 million surplus. So that shows you the tenacity and the type of person that Wayne Curry was.
0: And the people like you that he surrounded himself with. Now, I know, Howard, Wayne was also a big advocate for Leadership Greater Washington, which is an organization that has been close to your heart. Yes, it was. My understanding is you were a troublemaker when you got involved in Leadership Greater Washington.
1: Yes, Mahan. And I just want to say Wayne was in the exalted first class of Leadership Washington. I was in the class of 1996. It was interesting I came into the orientation and about 10 minutes later, I looked and I said, okay, Howard, what have you gotten yourself into? Because there were 55 people in my class and I looked around and I said, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. And then I said, you know, most of the people in Leadership Washington are type A people. We are all type A people. Get it done, do it now, I'm in charge. And I said, this will never work because Everybody knows I'm always in charge. And, they, and these other people think they're in charge too? No, this is not going to work. But I drank the Kool-Aid. I started believing in the process. And, and that began my lifelong affair with this wonderful organization. And you mentioned what I did. We had our environmental day and we went up to Great Falls. I admit I have an attention deficit disorder. So after about 15 minutes of people telling us about the environment and the rocks and the water and everything else, I said, oh, I'll, I'll never survive this. So I was. I told, I told a couple of my classmates, I said, there's a place up here, I think it's called the Old Angler's Inn, and, and we can sit out on the patio and drink beers. And, you know, while that's a place where the little ladies come with their gloves, I said, but we're going to be outside on the patio drinking beers. And they said, well, we need to go there. And so somehow I persuaded all the class and the bus to take us to the Old Anglers Inn. That's all we did the whole afternoon. And there's a person who has been very influential in my life. Her name is Artist Hampshire Cowan. And on our way back to, to the city, I got a call and she said to me, I want you in my office at 430 when you get back. I said, I don't feel like going to Howard. You know, and all this traffic, and so I was there at four thirty, and she proceeded to read me the riot act. And believe me, artists artists did that, Mahan. But I ended up getting on the board of directors, and four years later, I became chair of this organization. And so, the mark of a troublemaker is good. I don't say I'm a deliberate troublemaker, but I've learned to question some things and. It was just like our diversity day, which is always a problem in Leadership Greater Washington because you want people to show their true feelings. And in my year, uh, we had two wonderful facilitators, but the class, we needed to bond ourselves. So I kindly asked the facilitators to leave. And they looked at me and I said, no, we can't do this with you observing. You got to leave. They left, and we had our diversity day among ourselves. So some people call me a troublemaker, but, you know, I I sort of stand on principle and some God-given insights or talents that I might have.
0: And you have used that for leadership, whether in Prince George's County, Leadership Greater Washington, and the entire region, Howard. Now, obviously, you've also been very committed to education all throughout your career, including Prince George's Community College, uh, serving as chair board of trustees. And at one point, you served on the appointed board of education for school, and then you ran for an elected seat that you weren't able to get.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was what I call a defining moment in my life because no one likes to be rejected. You know, I wanted to be loved universally. And I felt that that was people telling me that we don't love you. But then when I got a chance to sit back and reflect upon, people had had an issue with the idea of an appointed school board. They felt that given the democratic principles, that the school board was a, should be a, a democratically elected venue. And so that's really was because they, they didn't want to have anything to do with anybody that had served on the appointed board. So, you know, I finally realized that, but, but it was a very humbling experience. And like I said, I was going, woe is me, woe is me. People don't love me. And, and I had to come to grips with that. Now, I care what people think, but being loved is nice. But I don't want the people to necessarily love me. I want them people to respect me for what I have done and what I continue to do as long as God allows me to live on this earth.
0: It's uh, great advice for all leaders and all of us. And you are very well-loved too, Howard. (laughs) Now, who have been some of the people that you consider to have been most instrumental to your own leadership development and growth, Howard?
1: Well, of course, as I say, my my parents were. I have an aunt that her name was Hester Henderson that was very instrumental. But I've met some people along the way certainly artist Hampshire Cowan. There's one woman who is no longer with us, Susan Hager from Hager Sharp, and certainly my my mentor, Wayne Curry, Ken Duncan, the council administrator. These are people that I learned from. And I'm going to tell you a little story, and I hope it's not too much, but i started my first job was working as administrative assistant for the county council and so i used to spend hours and stay late at night and we had a we call it a legislative officer for, but a, a, an attorney for the council his name was lionel lockhart and he was a true prince george's old good old boy and we used to talk late into night about the history of prince george's county things that happened and everything and one evening Jim Lockhart looked at me and he said it just like this. He said, Howard, you are good. You are a good colored fellow. And at first I sort of said, oh, God. But in his own way, he was paying me a compliment. Did I take offense to it? No. But by him saying that to me, it told me that I had an impact on him and his views on what Black people were and how Black people operated and what they did. And when I came to Prince George's County, it it wasn't a warm and fuzzy place. But, you know, in this ensuing 40 years, it has become urbane, sophisticated, really diverse, a minority-majority county. And we've accomplished a lot. We've done so many magnificent things. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be a Prince Georgian. And that's why when people, a lot of people use PG and I correct them on the spot. I said, I don't know where PG County is. Now, if you ask me, I live in Prince George's County and I'm proud to be a proud Prince George.
0: That is absolutely wonderful, Howard. Now, if you were to reflect on your leadership journey and give advice to a younger Howard and younger leaders that want to be as impactful as you've been throughout your career, whether in Prince George's County and the entire region, what advice would you give?
1: There's a book, and it's not a big book. You can just, you know, you can read it in about an hour. It's called All I Learned in Life I Learned in Kindergarten. And I used to keep the, the tenants. I still keep them. If we were at work, i keep them on my wall in, in my office. But those were the basic rules, the skills of socialization. When you go out in the world of wonder, you hold hands. Warm cookies and milk are good for you. And you, you don't hit people. But that book helped me. And it's not, a, you know, it's not a big oratorical, it's not a free test on anything, but it teaches you the basic demands of being a person, trying to be a good citizen, and doing the things you have to do. As I'm approaching my retirement, I haven't decided when. That's sort of uppermost in my mind now. And And people will tell me, Howard, you need to share your wisdom with others. And now it's my quest to to deal with some of the young administrators that I see in the government and take them under my wing and try to tutor them. And it's impossible to to give them everything. But when I see things go wrong, I'll say, no, 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 no. And so that's why I say uh, there'll be a lot of people in Prince George's County that might say, "Boy, I'll be glad when that old man is gone because uh, you know I'm critical. I believe in a certain way things are done. I believe things need to be done professionally, ethically, and it pays off in the end.
0: Well, Howard Stone, I really appreciate the wisdom that you shared with the partnering leadership community, the leadership that you've shown in Prince George's County and in this entire region, and the example you have set for leaders to follow. Thank you so much for this conversation,
1: Howard. Well, Mahan, it has been a pleasure, Mr. Chair, because uh, you have inherited a a great organization, one that I dearly love, and you have been a fantastic chair. And not only a fantastic chair, but somebody I can call in and, you know, if I have an issue, I'll call you and tell you. And You've been open and honest, and uh, I just appreciate you. So it's a mutual admiration society, Mahan, but, you know, I appreciate spending this, this time with you, and I'm just humbled.
0: Much love back at you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Partnering Leadership with your host, Mahan Tavakoli. For additional leadership insights and bonus content, visit us at PartneringLeadership.com.